All right, so I do have the Scripture. It's found in Mark chapter 4. Jesus calms the storm. That's the passage. That day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the winds. And he said to the waves, Quiet! Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? I had planned to preach a different sermon. But in the process of uh, the last couple of weeks, some things happened. First of all, it was Muriel and I's privilege to get to know Jonathan Lotz and Graham Lotz's son and Billy Graham's grandson. We not only spent some time with him, but we had the privilege of hearing him preach. And Muriel, after his sermon, said, that's probably the best sermon I'd ever heard. Really hurt my feelings. But, you know, you got to take it like a man. And she said, well, why don't, you, <laughs> why don't you preach on the storms? Oh, he preached that Sunday on, the storm, on calming the storm. He said, that was such a great sermon. Why don't you preach on calming the storm? And so this is a contest this morning <laughs> to see who's the better preacher. The son of Billy Graham or the dad of Wesley White? So let's go with it. And then another thing happened, and uh, I just got through writing this. I told Wesley I hope I can read it tomorrow. I usually type my sermons out. I just got through writing it last night. But uh, did you know that Ian went through Florida? How many did not know that? We all knew that. But did you know that Fiona, a hurricane, went through Canada? Did you know that Gaster, another hurricane, went through U.S. Azor Islands this week? And that Herman went through the eastern Atlantic. In one week, four hurricanes converging upon our country and our properties. And so I just really was glad that Muriel had given me the inspiration that I needed this morning to preach this sermon. Now let me just say a couple things uh, to introduce this. Have you ever had a storm? While I was in seminary at Asbury Seminary, one day I decided to skip school, which I did a lot when I was in high school, but usually I didn't do it in graduate school, but I decided to skip school and play golf. Went out to the golf course. 
I don't remember what time it was. Sun was shining. It was warm outside. By the fifth or sixth hole, it began to cloud up. And by the ninth, eighth or ninth hole, there a torrential downpour. The wind began to blow. The storm came, began to come. And uh, we went and hid under a tree for whatever that was worth. But it got a soaking like I've never had before. The next day, I woke up and I had a fever. I was diagnosed with pharyngitis. Dr. Love, you knew, heard of pharyngitis. It's the fever disease. And for about three or four days, I was in the hospital there in Winchester, Kentucky, getting these shots. They weren't shots. They were like taking a hammer and nailing a nail into you. They were the most painful. They were more painful than 105 fever. But I went through that storm, came through that storm, and I think all of us can say there were times in our life when we went through storms. But this morning, I'm not just talking about rainstorms or tornadoes or hurricanes and the tough times. But in Acts chapter 27, verse 20, Paul says this, The storm beat on us, and all hope that we, we would be saved finally was given up. Can you imagine being in that storm? I remember several years ago, my foster parents, John and Dorothy Basham, they lived between Stewart, Florida, and uh, West Palm Beach, right in the middle. And a hurricane with a, a, sta- a type three, a third category hurricane went through. They lived one mile from the ocean. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting. That's the first time I really ever heard about I've heard about the eye of the storm, but how did it affect? That storm was blowing everything. The eye of the storm went over their house, and the sun came out, and everything was clear. He got on the phone. He said, pray for me. If I get out of this alive, I will never stay here again when a hurricane comes through. So that was, uh, that was an interesting <coughs> situation that, with that. We've all been through those kind of storms. And... Uh, Storms are always there, and they're always going to come. Scripture talks about a lot of storms. Uh, there are the storms that we bring on ourselves. Think of Samson when he decided to court Delilah or whatever he was doing. That's probably a nice way of putting it. It ruined his life, it seemed, but God did have a plan and used him anyway. So there are those storms that we bring on ourselves through our own attitudes, our own lifestyle, our own things. There are the storms that come from other people. Think of Paul and Silas when they were in prison. They were put there by someone else. They didn't know what was going to happen that night. They sang praises to God, and God opened the doors and let them out, which is what he'll do if we're singing praise and not moping around in the storms. But then there are the storms that God causes, and one of those is on the Sea of Galilee. When I was uh, moved in with my foster parents, they gave me a picture. Some of you have probably seen this picture. I don't know what I did with it. But it was about this size, and it was a picture of a young man. I I, I think their purpose was to encourage me to always let Jesus be in my life. But there was a picture of a young man in a boat. The waves were coming over the boat. 
And behind him was a picture of Jesus, and Jesus had his hand on his shoulder. They put that picture up in my room, and every day that I lived with them, I saw that picture. And it was a reminder to me that as long as Jesus is on board my ship, my ship will not sink. And I just had an indelible print. I've never, I've never been able to, to forget it. So let's just look at this passage of Scripture just for a few moments. There's an outline in your bulletin, Roman numeral one, the unexpected storm. Can you imagine what it was like even 200 years ago before we had the Weather Channel, before we had meteorologists, before we had the means of predicting the weather, you're there one day, and the next moment, a storm comes up. Whether it's a small one or a big one, you don't know. And it about blows you away. Verse 35 says, He left the crowds and headed to the other side. Verse 36 says, the storm came. And I remind you that in your life, there will be times when suddenly storms come into your life. The Lake of Galilee was notoriously famous for the squalls and the storms and hurricane-like times. I've had the privilege of going to Israel seven times and hope to go again before I die. But the first time we went was 1971. I went, I signed up for a class in January to go. It's called Bible Lands and Times. And you studied for a little bit, and then, then you took a trip. Well, Muriel heard that I was going, and she wanted me to notice her, so she signed up. No, we were already, we were already engaged. We got engaged in November, and, uh, and she signed up for the class too. So we, we went to Israel together. And it was... Just an, the first time you go, it just blows you away, literally. <laughs> Got it? Blows you away? Oh, well, you're supposed to laugh at that. Anyway, we got on a boat in Tiberias. And the boat went from Tiberias to Capernaum. Capernaum, perhaps my favorite place in all of Israel. When you walk into Capernaum, there's a sign on the gate that says, Capernaum the hometown of Jesus. Jesus spent more time in his ministry in Capernaum, really, than any other place. It was my privilege on my second trip to go with Muriel's dad to Israel as a guest of the nation. And we had a private guide. His name was Eli Gonder. Love to tell you about him. It's a fascinating story, but that's not part of the sermon. We were sitting in the ruins of the old synagogue in in. Capernaum, and talking about what it was like for Jesus to preach there. And out of the blue, Ellie says, why Capernaum? Why did Jesus spend so much time in Capernaum? And we didn't know. And then he began to tell us about the Via Maris. The Via Maris began in Egypt. He got down through Egypt, came down through where the Philistines were, went across the, the Armageddon Valley, turned at the Sea of Galilee, and went around 
up through the northern Galilee, and then it went into the, the land of Syria and to Damascus. And he said, Jesus knew if he was going to spread the gospel all over the world, he had to have a strategic point, and he chose Capernaum. Matthew was a tax collector in Capernaum. John was a fisherman from Capernaum. Peter and James were fishermen from Capernaum. That's where his disciples mostly came. That's where his ministry took place. And, and I remember that day we... Anyway, that's, that's a little side note. But in, we got on that boat, and, and halfway over there, it became cloudy, and a storm came up. Waves began to go over the boat, and uh, it, it, the boat was rocking. The boat was shaking. It was pouring down, raining. Now, me, I got inside the boat, but, you know, back then we had these 8-millimeter, we didn't have phones. We had these 8-millimeter cameras. You could look out around that boat, and about a dozen people had their 8-millimeter their cameras, they were taking pictures of the lightning and the rain and the, and, and the waves. It was fascinating. For the first time in my life, I understood why they were out in that boat during a storm. I always thought, these guys, what are they doing out in the boat when it's raining? Why don't they wait? But it comes up suddenly and quickly. And that's the way the storms of life are. They come suddenly, unexpectedly, and quickly. I will tell you this morning, there are storms of sorrow. There are storms of disappointment. There are storms of complicated, unanswerable problems. There are storms of anxiety. There are storms of disappointment. There are storms of criticism. There are storms of misunderstanding. There are storms of uncertainty. And there are storms of temptation. And the lesson from this message, if you don't catch anything else, is this. When you have Jesus on board your ship, when you have Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, in your life, there is always potential to ride out the storm and find peace on the other side. Verse 37 says, the winds were hovering, howling, That's the word that we use for there was a hurricane. One moment, everyone thinks they will die. And the next moment, there's peace and calm. I think it's interesting that in that chapter, Mark writes, there were other ships. There were other ships on the lake. Think about it. Well, everywhere, I'm not surprised. Everywhere Jesus went, people followed. I'm not surprised that other ships followed. But I am always curious to wonder what they thought. They were just going along for the ride. They thought they were going to die. And all of a sudden, it stopped. Whenever we get Jesus on board our ship... We not only have the potential for peace, but we have the potential for bringing peace to all of those around us. Right? Many years ago, I met Howard Olson. Howard Olson had Lou Gehrig disease. 
He was watching the TV program of the church where I was on staff in Waterloo, Iowa. And God spoke to Howard Olson. Gives me goosebumps. And he said, Howard, if you will go to Waterloo, Iowa and ask this pastor to lay his hands and pray for you, I will heal you. Now, most people would have just said that's ridiculous. There was, to that point, no record of anyone ever being healed of Lou Gehrig's disease once they affected. But he did it. And it's interesting, he went into Waterloo, and he went into this restaurant. And when he went into the restaurant, guess who was there? The pastor who had spoken on TV. They went over, they met, he told him why he was there. I don't know if they went back to the church, I don't know if they went back to the house, but wherever they went, God healed Howard Olson. It's interesting too, I was just thinking about this, after he left and retired from working for the church and the ministry, he actually moved to Pigeon Forge. For 10 years, Howard Olson lived in Pigeon Forge. And uh, now he is back in Waterloo, Iowa, probably in his mid-90s somewhere. But God healed him. And when he went back to the, uh, when he went back to the, um, he went back to Mayo Clinic, and they diagnosed him, and they said, we misdiagnosed you. You never had it. My point is not what happened to Howard Olson, but my point is if we'll let Jesus in our life and we'll sail with him, we will be able to be an instrument of helping others in the storms of life, bringing healing, bringing encouragement to them all along. Now let me just move on. Number, point number two. Our attitude during the storm. There are two dominant emotions that come forth in this passage of Scripture. One is faith, the other is fear. And all of us have that choice. Which one are we going to take when we find ourselves in the storms of life? Are we going to believe that God has His hand on us and God has a plan for us, or are we going to shrink up and fear? We look at this picture, and Jesus is asleep. The raging sea is all around him, and the disciples are panicky. They are wondering what and how they are going to survive. Fear. If you could, look, if you could be on that boat with them, you would see fear written on every face. But Jesus is asleep. I want you to ask yourself a question. If God, do you think God would let His Son Jesus and His potential church builders sink that day? What do you think? But here they are. The disciples are frightened. Jesus is resting. And the key, let me, let me just give you a, a little point. Actually, this is a point that I got from Jonathan Lotz last week. I'd never really thought this through. When he was preaching on the storm, he said, Jesus does not keep us 
from having storms in our life. Nowhere are we promised not to have difficulty. No longer, no longer, nowhere in the Scripture are we promised it'll always be easy. But he said this, but Jesus, God, does promise to get us through them. Never forget that. And I've been just thinking about that quite a bit since then. And so they are upset with Jesus, and they say, do you care if we perish? Now remember, these are guys who had seen leopards healed. These are guys who had seen paralytics walk. These are those who had said, seen withered hands straighten out. These are guys who had seen blind men see. And now, in this ship, not realizing who it is on board with them, they are fearing for their life. What's the problem? The same problem we have. We often get our eyes on the storm rather than Jesus on board our ship. When turmoil comes, when we concentrate on the storm... Rather than the master of the storm, we'll sink. But when we focus on Jesus and we make sure he's on board our life, we will never sink. In verse 39, Jesus wakes up. He rebukes the wind and the storm, and he says, Peace, be still. I remember one commentator saying, I think that's not what he said. I think he said he was so upset with the disciples for all their fear He looked at them and said, please be quiet. And the wind had no choice but to stop because the master of the seas had told them to be still. They misunderstood. Somebody said he was really talking to the disciples. Get over it. Move on. I'm on board. But the waves heard him. And because they heard the master, the God of all kingdom, of the world, they stopped. Verse 40, Jesus says, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Here's what Jesus is saying to us today. When I am on board, our boat will not sink. And even if you think it will, it will not last forever. Jesus says, When I'm on board your ship, it will not sink. And I had a really great illustration there, but I'm going to move on. (laughs) To give it or not to give it? I'm going to move on. Point three. It's faith that will bring us through. Verse 40, they were afraid for their life. Verse 41, they were terrified. Verse 41, one of them said, who is he? That even the winds obey his voice. Now, why was this happening? Why did Jesus let it happen? Sometimes I believe God tests our faith in order to help us grow. Sometimes God allows storms in our life so that we can grow in our relationship with God. 
If we lack faith, but if we lack faith, we don't have the faith to believe, God will sometimes work a miracle. He may be asleep for a while, and when he realizes our lack of faith, he wakes up and works a miracle. But whether he lets us ride the storm out because he believes we are trusting him, or whether he lets us, or whether he works a miracle and lets the storm in, I want to tell you today Jesus will not let your boat sink when he is aboard. I think we all want miracles. We want Jesus to stop these storms. I can't take it anymore. But God wants faith. And he is going to allow storms to come into our life so that he can make us stronger and so that he can produce us as better followers of the living God. Let me ask you this. Which is better? To interrupt the law of the universe and work a miracle so that I will believe? Or have I have a faith that believes that no matter what is happening to me, God is in my life and my ship will not sink. What do you think? Leroy Mawson, in his book, The Lord of Possibilities, which is a book of all the miracles. I have, I have that book. I, was, I love that book. But it's the book of the miracles and com- comments, not commentary, but comments and thoughts about it. When talking about the miracle of the stilling of the storm, which I believe is in all four Gospels. I'm not sure it's in John. Do you know, Wesley? I know it's in Mark. I know it's in Matthew. And I know it's in Luke. And I was going to use the passage in Luke because Wesley is, Pastor Wesley, (laughs) is in the book of Luke. But I didn't want to be compared to a great preacher. So I stuck with Mark. (laughs) And, you know, Mark is the oldest gospel, and I'm the oldest gospel preacher in our family. So I, anyway, that's important that you know that. He says he calls this miracle the unnecessary miracle. Now, there is a sense in which it was necessary. Because of their lack of faith, because of their, because of their fear, because of their struggle, because of their not believing that they were going to live through it, he had to stop it. And he did. You got it? But it's, he says it's unnecessary because God's presence above, aboard the ship should have been all that he needed. They needed. Perhaps there is something better than a miracle. It's the confidence that we are in the hand of God. That the God that created the universe sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to give Himself for us so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. I was thinking about this, and I'll close with this thought. The greatest storm we will ever face is not in this life. 
but it is when we leave this life and enter the other. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53, I believe it is, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, but thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think most of us would say, many of us would say Psalm 23 is our favorite psalm. And in verse 6 it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, the greatest fear that we should have would be coming to the end of our life, whether unexpectedly or whether of old age, and not having Jesus Christ on board our ship. I have uh, I've brought some of these, and if anybody wants, I'll put them in my pocket. If anybody wants one at the end, in fact, I'll put them in there right now. Or at 73, I'll probably forget it. But I think the most important thing that all of us can do is make sure that Jesus, the one who died for us on the cross, the one who gave himself that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly, is in our life and on board our ship. In this little booklet, it's by Billy Graham. In fact, Jonathan Lotz told me he has about 5,000 of these in his house, and he gives them out every day. That was kind of cool. He, he goes through and shares how you can know that Jesus is on board your ship and in your life. And at the end, he has a prayer. And I, I just want to read that prayer to you. Dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned. And I ask your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. And I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you and follow you all my life. And so I close this morning. And thanks for asking me to speak, Wesley. I close by simply saying, is Jesus on board your ship? Is Jesus in your life? Whether it be sorrow, whether it be disappointment, whether it be difficulty or death, can you, do you know that Jesus is in control of your life? Let's pray together. And if you, if you would like to pray this prayer after me, I'll give you just a chance. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. 
I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior.